Guys, we know you mean well, but not accepting the fact that you're a real estate salesperson and limiting your mindset to only being a consultant is not just hurting you and your business, it is also hurting your clients. Think back to a time that someone important in your life, whether it be a friend, a family member, maybe a child, they had an important decision to make, possibly even one of your clients, if you've been in real estate long enough. They had an important decision to make and you just knew in your core what the right answer for them to do was. But they were having trouble getting there themselves. A consultant might have sat back and maybe provided some information and still let them make that decision that could have ultimately hurt them or did ultimately hurt them, while a salesperson can use sales skills to help convince that person to make a great decision that is beneficial to them moving forward. And that's what we're talking about today. Consultant versus salesperson. Are you going to hurt your clients or help them? Welcome back, everybody. This is episode five of the How To Real Estate Podcast. We are your hosts with Kyle Lindsay and myself, Jeremy Smith. Kyle, good morning and welcome back, sir. Yeah, great to be back recording again. I love it, man. Love it, man. Well, let's talk about our wins in a normal fashion. What's a win you've had this week? How is life going? Man, so this week I want to talk about a... A situation that could have probably, if I hadn't kept a cool head, um, that could have been turned into something bad that would actually turn into something good. So I got a text from a client this week that was, um, she wasn't happy. Things, her listing wasn't moving. Um, she was a little getting a little frustrated and totally understandable, right? Um, you know, you want to see some movement on your listing, things like that. To be fair, it's only been 14 days, so right. not a really long time period on market. And you know, she wanted an open house, but we didn't have anyone to run an open house for her. So starting to look around, things like that. And through speaking with her and really kind of getting to the heart of what was happening, she just really wanted a game plan. So using some sales skills we're going to talk about now and convincing her, hey, we're still in the best course of action. Um, I provided some data for her and let her know like what was going on, what we're doing. And she was great. And just basically, you know, things we're going to get into today, using a little bit of sales skills to turn that potential loss into a win because of how I communicated with her, provided the data, and then helped convince her we were still on a great path of action and charting what was going to happen next. Turn that potential angry situation into client was happy, satisfied, and win. And lo and behold, today we get a cash offer in the place and it's going to hopefully close in two weeks. So, Heck yeah. Yeah, it's a fantastic situation. Congrats, brother. Yeah. Way, way to handle that well. Way to handle that well. So mine is actually kind of surrounded around sales stuff too. Mm -hmm. So we've been doing for like the past few months with our ISAs, we've been doing script practice and um, dialogues and role play training every morning, right? So this past week, we had a, a buddy of mine and his team are getting on from Houston. So now instead of three or four of us, there's been like seven of us. Mm -hmm. which is really, really cool because the dynamic completely changes when you get that many people with different levels of, of ability on the call. Um, and then my buddy, Mickey, he told me about an AI tool that you can link up to your, your Zoom where it will transcribe the whole Zoom. It, it takes the recording of the video, it analyzes what's going on, and it'll tell you if you're speaking too fast, mm -hmm. if you're speaking too slow as, as the leader of the call. It'll tell you who's engaging and who's not engaging, like what oh, percentages cool. based off their like eye movements and mm -hmm. their tonality. And it just takes all this stuff into account so that you can continue to improve. 
Dude, that's so cool. Yeah, I'm I'm ecstatic. It's and it sends out like a summary to everybody who joined the meeting. Like, mm-hmm. hey, this was the main main idea of the meeting. Here are mm-hmm. the main topics. Here's the recording. Here's the timestamps of this topic and that topic, so they can easily jump to those timestamps and mm-hmm. the video. It's just so cool. That is cool. Pretty soon, uh, AI will be selling to us better than we can sell to each other. <laughs> Absolutely, uh, it may already be. We may already be doing it, and, and we don't know. Well, guys, today's episode, we are talking about the stigma behind being a salesperson and how that affects us in our real estate business. And the alternative to it, you know, what most people say is I'm a consultant, mm-hmm. right? I'm not a salesperson because that's stigmatized. I am a consultant, and, and they can be closely related. But in this episode, guys, we're going to talk about a few things. We're going to talk about why we need to demystify the stigma of being a salesperson and how we can do that. We're going to talk about where sales skills show up in our business. Mm-hmm. Like where do we need those skills to be salespeople? And then how we can improve our sales skills, you know, where we can go for resources and, and different education and practice on, on how we can improve our sales skills so that we are well-rounded because the reality is, is we're a little bit of both. Mm-hmm. Right, we're consultants, but we also need to have sales skills. Perfect, I love it. Yeah, I getting into the the demystifying the sales stigma. This is so. It sounds very obvious, but we still fall into this trap so easily. Is you know, I think that to really break it all the way down is we only focus on our memories on the worst experiences we've had. Right. So when we think of salespeople. You rarely think of that person who very subtly helped recommend products that you loved and you used and asked the right questions and got to the root of, of what you're looking for and really married your needs and wants into a product and that really, that really satisfied what you're looking for. Right. We don't think of that person. What no. we do think of is that really pushy salesperson who was just looking for a fast paycheck and pushed us into something we didn't want or was trying to push us into something we didn't want. Right, right. And imagine if sales didn't exist. Like if there are no salespeople, like how would products get to the end user? Mm -hmm. And really, what you said is such a good point. And it made me think about your doctor. Like you go to the doctor and whatever your issue is, let's say that they, they recommend some medication for you. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, are they not selling that medication to you? They are. They are. Right. Yeah. So the salesperson takes the medication and says, hey, doctor, here's some samples. Try this. The doctor recommends this medication to you and and will tell you all of the benefits of this medication, how it's going to help your issue. And that's all sales. Mm-hmm. I think we can all think to a time of going to a doctor or dentist or, or some sort of professional medical professional who gave us some advice but it may be unbeknownst, like, like we didn't think about it consciously, but we just did a really poor presentation yeah. and we doubted them. Right. And so what did we do? We went and got a second opinion Yes. or just didn't take their advice at all to our detriment possibly. Yeah. And so if that doctor or whoever that was had had better sales skills and had been presenting something that was actually beneficial to you, you might've said yes. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and sales just is all around us. It's all around us. And I know it has a bad stigma and, Whenever people think about sales, you know, it's the high pressure, like you said earlier, mm-hmm. the high pressure, get me to do something that I don't want to do when I don't want to do it, spend more money than I, than I want to spend. Mm-hmm. Um, often, you know, thought about as the used car salesman, 
Mm-hmm. Right. Sorry, used car salesman. <laughs> um, not to bash on you guys, but y'all have a bad rap. I'd like to also include new car salesmen in that. <laughs> right. Just car salesmen in general. <laughs> you know, I think, you know, I, I, this may be completely wrong, but I would think that the higher skill level is the new guys, like the, the yeah. new car sales, you know, because mm-hmm. they're selling a higher end product or a more expensive cro- product in most cases. Mm-hmm. Um, but maybe that's just me being naive. But yeah, you're right, man. Car salesmen in general, you guys mm-hmm. have a bad rap. So do um, the door-to-door solar panel folks. Yes. And the pest control folks mm-hmm. and the roofers after mm-hmm. a hailstorm. Like all those folks have a bad rap. But what I want to point out to our listeners here is the amount of sales that happen for you to even get where you're at. Right? So, and I know we don't really think about that, but at some point in your life, somebody sold you I'm being a real estate agent, mm-hmm. right? Maybe it was a TV show or watching somebody that you know, or even talking to somebody that you know, and they're telling you all the great things, right? They're mm-hmm. selling you on the benefits of being a real estate agent. And then when you finally made that decision, you had to pick a school. Mm-hmm. What school am I going to go to? Well, somebody either recommended a school or you started getting advertisements for schools or you started doing research for schools and in that marketing mm-hmm. is all sales, why is this school the best school for you so that you can pass your test, right? That was your desire. I'm going to get educated, pass this test. They sold you on the school. So that's the second thing you got sold on. And then when you got your license, you were probably really bombarded by sales, <laughs> right? Now all these brokerages want you. Mm-hmm. Like, come to my brokerage. We're the best. No, come to this brokerage. We're the cheapest. No, right. we're going to make you the most money. We're going to save you the most money. Mm-hmm. Whatever it was, then you have recruiters at those brokerages they reached out to you and sold you on their brokerage. Mm-hmm. So up until the point when you actually start working in the real estate, you were sold at least on three different um, ideologies or products. Yeah. And this is such a good point too. I want to back up just slightly and the marketing versus sales dilemma argument, because those two get, they get very intertwined. And the way I like to think about it, wrong or right, is marketing attracts people, sales converts them. Mm-hmm. So the marketing may have been your Facebook ads, your Instagram ads, or just post in general, um, things like that, Google pay-per-click, those, that's your marketing, advertising. But once they get to the landing page on a website, that's a sales page. Right. That page is there to, and designed to convert you without having to talk to a human. That's still sales, even though a human wasn't involved. That website was designed to convert you. And that's what we're talking about is highlighting benefits and getting you from point A to point B to make a decision that is beneficial for you. I love that. And imagine this, man. Imagine one of these companies, like just let's just look at a real estate school, for example. They had great marketing, mm-hmm. right? They get you to call, get you to go get a call or get online or whatever. And then they just continue to reiterate what their marketing stated mm-hmm. and never get you to take action. Mm-hmm. That's that is a, a, a chink in the armor, right? They have great marketing, great consulting, right? Call us, talk to us, we'll tell you all the things you need to know. But then there's never a close, mm-hmm. and that's the sales part. Uh, it's amazing that I, there's a you know I don't know the exact stat, but I know that on a website you will dramatically increase your conversions just by changing the color of the uh, call to action buttons, like the book now, order now, schedule a call, whatever that button says just by making it stand out and highlighting it will dramatically increase your conversion. That's just a sales tactic. Anyway, yeah. we are 
We're beating a, beating a dead horse here. Yeah, we are. And, and, and sometimes it needs to be beat. Um, some people need... <laughs> some, <laughs> that poor horse. <laughs> yeah, some people really need to get that, you know? So being a salesperson, what, what I would like for our listeners to take away from this is being a salesperson is not a bad thing, mm. right? Your license says you're a salesperson. It does not say you're a consultant. Can you do both? Absolutely. But if you don't have sales skills, you'll never move anybody from the, the thought process to the action, right? You've got to have sales skills to do that. And sales skills are required to be very successful or even somewhat successful in real estate. So let's talk about where um, these skills show up, where do they show up in our business and, and what should we be mindful of as we go and learn these skills? You mean other than convincing my wife where to go for dinner every yeah, night? Yeah, <laughs> just give up. Just, just go where she wants. <laughs> yeah, now this, and this is, I love where this is headed because pointing out exactly where we can find this in our career is so helpful. Because when you think of like, oh, well, you know, where am I going to even apply some of these sales skills? I mean, some of them are obvious. So I think the most obvious is converting converting strangers into leads and then the leads into clients. Absolutely. That's, I think, where almost all of us think sales starts. But I think the problem is a lot of us think that's where sales stop. Mm-hmm. So where, where else where else could you go from there with your sales skills? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot to unpack there. Definitely, for me, I would say helping clients make decisions. What I've, what I've experienced is a lot of times, especially first-time homebuyers, they really struggle to pull the trigger on writing an offer, mm-hmm. right? Especially if the market is slow. Now, if the market is fast, there's a lot of competition, you'll probably see a lot less hesitation. Mm-hmm. But if there's no, if there's nothing pressing them to make a decision quickly, and not that we want them to make a decision quickly, but let's say you take them out there and you find the perfect home from them and you know the, what the perfect home is for them because you've done your consulting part of your job, mm-hmm. right? You understand all the ins and outs of what they're looking for, the needs, the wants, location, the price range, all that stuff. And, and now you're here, you're at this house and you know what's right for them. You know what their goal is and your job is to help them reach that goal. So now you're going to need to pull on some sales skills to get them to go ahead and take some action. Mm-hmm. It's not action that is not in their best interest, right? And I think right. that's where the big differentiator is, is we're not trying to convince them to do something that is not in their best interest. We're helping them get past that hurdle that they're having in their mind of, is this the right thing to do to pull the trigger? So I I would say right there, you know, helping clients make decisions. And so I know we're going to get some haters out there that are asking, well, how do you know what's better for this person than they know themselves? Mm -hmm. Like what's stopping them from making that decision? Why should you even have to use sales skills on that? Yeah, it's it's a valid question. And going back to the consultation, you know, we really promote doing a thorough consultation with your clients before you ever even start looking at homes. Mm -hmm. And when you do that, I mean, that is the consultation part, right? So you're a consultant, you're listening, you're doing a lot of listening, you're Mm -hmm. understanding what their goals are, why those are their goals and giving a commitment to them that you're going to, you're going to have their back. Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes having their back means having those uncomfortable conversations, you know, maybe they're in a lease and and they're tired of renting. They've told you already, they're tired of throwing money away and they need you to step up as a leader to help them just sign that document that that gets them from being a renter into homeownership. Maybe they're living with family. Uh, Maybe they're relocating, Mm -hmm. right? Maybe they're relocating for a job and they're on a time frame that you know that if you don't 
move soon, they're not going to meet that time frame, mm-hmm. and then their situation is going to get worse. So doing the con- consultation really makes a big difference, listening to them and having a holistic picture of what's going on in their life so that you can guide them in the right direction. Man, I was uh, one of my very first transactions in real estate. I had this couple that was living in Keller City here in DFW, um, kind of in the middle of DFW, and wanted to move further out and get a bunch of acreage. They were looking for 50 plus acres. And we had seen five different properties they loved. They sat on the decision because this was, again, I was still pretty early in my career, didn't have all the sales skills I have now. And I gave them all the information and I waited. And those properties slipped out from underneath them. Mm. And every single time they would get angry with me. I was really confused. I was like, I gave you the information. Why didn't you just, I asked if you wanted to make the offer. Why didn't you just make the offer? Right. Well, we finally saw an 80-acre tract that was cheaper than the market price, dollar per acre. It had this awesome pond on it with this nice little fishing house, and the husband loved to fish. I mean, it was perfect. Just like you said, you'll know it. Like yeah. if, you, if you've really gotten to know your clients and understood them, you know it when you see it. Right. And we were sitting there looking at the pond in the middle of the property, and I could see it on them again. They were about to start hemming and hawing and, and wanting to think about it. And just out of nowhere, again, I didn't have the sales skills I have now. I looked at him and I said, look, if you don't make an offer on this property, I'm not sure I can help you anymore. I said, this is the perfect property and I don't know what else you're waiting for. Yeah. And they looked at me. They both paused for a second. They go, done. Let's make the offer. Yeah. Six years later, they built a beautiful house on that property. They absolutely love it. They call me almost every year to thank me. Heck yeah. And it's just one of those things like when you see it, you know it and you can... I hate to even say the word push. You're nudging people in the right direction. Mm-hmm. You're helping them get over a fear they may have, and it's only because they don't fully understand the process, what's involved. There's some education there, but you're using sales skills to help them get to a point where they are comfortable making the decision that you know is beneficial for them and that they're gonna, it's going to really help them out long term. Absolutely, man. And what I hear from that story, which is a great story, mm-hmm. is that it's all about them. Mm-hmm. Right where where you toe a line is when you start doing this for your best interest. Right, and I think people need to understand that. Like, if if you're using sales skills to get people to take an action that is in your best interest and they're your clients, that's the wrong thing to do. Yeah, right. It's got to be a hundred percent for them, without any consideration to you know how much money you're going to make or how many more homes you're going to have to show mm-hmm. or how many homes you've already shown. Like. Those are all things that will come up in your mind, right? But you can't lead them to take action based off of that. Man, that's such a good point. And, you know, not to get too far off topic, but really the reason for that, that, you know, not saying that sales skills are Jedi mind tricks. You can't make someone do something that they don't want to do. But when you get deep enough into some of these sales tactics and conversational strategies, there is some manipulation that could happen. Um, and that if someone's on the fence, maybe you do convince them to go the way that may not be best for them. But the reason you don't do that is if you want to be in real estate long term, and I mean more than five years, you know, you might be able to be that real greasy dude, just battering people into bad decisions for a couple of years, but eventually you're just you're not going to get clients anymore. So if you want to be in this long term, you have to keep your client's interest and best interest at the forefront, or you're never going to build a referral base. You're never going to build positive reviews. You're never going to do the things that you need to do to make it a long-term career. Absolutely. Uh, and I like that you use the term greasy. 
That it just sounds so sleazy. Well, like, just just like <laughs> stigma. We were talking before this started, like the how nasty the word stigma sounds. Like I got some on me. Gross. Stigma. <laughs> greasy stigma. Oh no, not the greasy stigma. <laughs> and then you have what they call commission breath. Yes. Yeah. That, it could be smelled a mile away. Oh man. So another thing that I I think that it's important to know while where sales skills come into play is is getting offers accepted. Mm-hmm. What I tell clients all the time, and especially clients that are contingent buyers, mm-hmm. they've got a home to sell and they want to buy a particular home, write an offer on the home, regardless of whether their home is on the market, under contract, um, that all matters. But regardless of all of that, we, we do the same thing, right? We've got to sell not just the seller, but also the listing agent on our situation. Man, do you know how much more impressive your sales skills have to be to sell someone through a third party. Mm-hmm. It's it's insane, man. And you've got to sell them on the house that you're selling. You've got mm-hmm. to sell them on the offer that you're submitting. You got to sell them on you as a real estate agent, your ability to market mm-hmm. and get this home that they're selling under contract. There's just so much selling that needs to happen in that situation. It's yeah. tough. Yeah, because you're not selling a physical product. You're selling an idea. Mm-hmm. You know, you're selling the idea and the belief that this contract is the best contract for that seller. As a, as a buyer's agent, you really have to build rapport and use some of these these conversational sales techniques to really get to build rapport and empathy and trust quickly. Right. I mean, you think of like a ten minute phone call, and from the from that agent being a complete stranger to trusting that you have their client's best interest at heart with this offer. I mean, of course, you're representing a different client, but that's what you're really kind of convincing them of. Right, right. And for them to take that belief then and transfer it to their their client so they get the, the offer accepted, that's that takes a lot of practice. For sure. And it's the irony behind this too is it's not just your sales skills in that situation, but they're going to look at your, they should, if they're thorough, they're going to look at your history, mm-hmm. right? How many homes have you sold? How long have you been in business? Like all of that also speaks to your ability to be a salesperson. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's, it's never ending. Like it's, there's so many opportunities for sales to come in, in your business. Um, what else, any other ways sales comes in, in our business that we need to talk about? Thinking about helping your clients make decisions that are best for them. Just taking a quick step back. I I like to joke about this, but it is the truth. I feel like most of the negotiations that happen in a transaction actually happen between me and my own client. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, it's not like it's like this 80-20, but I would say at least 51 to 60% of the negotiations I have right. are between me and my own client, really kind of helping them get through what we talked about earlier. It's there's fear, there's mistrust, there's you know, a lack of education about the about the the process. And I mean, no matter how much you you actually educate your client and you tell them. Um, this is a very complicated process. There's a lot of moving steps. There's no way they're gonna remember it all off of one conversation or three conversations even. And so helping negotiate with them on what's in their best interest to get the deal closed um, is sometimes harder than, than even negotiating against the other party. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And then continue to negotiate with them even after the sale mm-hmm. or not negotiate, but continue to sell them right. even after the sale. Yeah. Right. So they, they come back and give you business later on down the road. Mm-hmm. Lots of stuff, lots of stuff, guys. So where where can folks go to get some sales skills improvements? Um, yeah, where can they go? Well, first up, I think, is 
um, find a mentor. And by find a mentor, if you can actually find a physical person to teach you, great. I found my mentors through books in the beginning. So I have two books that I think are fantastic. Um, The first one is Never Split the Difference. Um, If, I mean, anything you can read or take a class on taught by Chris Voss, do it. Learning that negotiations are so vital to your sales skills, he teaches you in that book all sorts of conversational tactics to build trust and empathy and get someone to agree to what you want without necessarily ramming it down their throat. Right. Um, it just, it, it's such a, such a good book. The second one for me, so kind of along those same lines of never split the dif- difference, exactly what to say is, is linguistic or verbal jujitsu. It's taking words in the right order that help remove barriers. Yeah. Cause a lot of times our speech patterns are built through, you know, our upbringing and they, when you use certain words and phrases in the wrong order, it can trigger defenses to go up. Mm-hmm. And that book is fantastic at rewarding how you are asking for things and how you're getting information in a way that lowers barriers, lowers defenses, and allows actual communication. Man, one thing that I learned from that book that's been a game changer for my conversations and mm-hmm. recruiting, this may not be for you. Yeah, I love it. Love that, man. It's such a genius way to start off a sentence. Yes. Like the, or a conversation, rather. Um, both very good books. I, I've read both those books several times. So yeah. definitely we'll co-sign on that. So I've got two. First one that I want to start with is going to be by Grant Cardone. It's called Sell or Be Sold. Mm-hmm. Man, if you want to wrap your mindset in a different way around sales, that is a book that will just slap you with all kinds of realities. <laughs> Man, he talks about, and, and this is so true for those of you with kids, you'll, you'll really feel me on this one. He talks about how kids are the greatest salespeople ever. Oh my God, yes. Because they are <laughs> relentless. Like They are the used car or the, the car salesman <laughs> of the world. <laughs> right. And not, they're cute too. You yeah. know, they're kids, you know, and we love them and they're great. But man, they are relentless. When they want something, they, they don't care what we think. Like they're like, hey, I want this. And they're going to try to convince us. My daughter, well, I think she was a sophomore. She actually um, put together a slideshow presentation and presented it to my wife and I on why it was in our best interest that she got the new iPhone 11. <laughs> it was dope, dude. She had no fear. Yeah. She went right for it. That's and awesome. She got an iPhone 11. She even went so far as to put it in the cart and, and put a link in her presentation and then oh. texted it to her mom and I. That is fantastic. Dude, she made it. The, the barrier was non-existent. Dude. Now, she made well, it super easy. By the way, what a smart sales tactic to remove all of the friction <laughs> out of it. Like, just yes. click this link and click yes, and yeah. you are done. That's it. That's <laughs> it. Just put in your credit card information. It's already there. Shipping address is already there. Like, everything is done. That's awesome. Knowing her, that doesn't surprise me one bit. <laughs> Oh, man, that was good. The other one I will say is Start With No. Yeah. That's a good one. Start With No um, by Jim Camp. Mm -hmm. Very, very good. And it kind of goes a little bit into the philosophy of never split the difference and and how no, getting a no answer is actually a good thing. Well, it's funny when you read some of these these top-tier books – how interrelated some of the concepts are. Exactly. Like you see, they're not repeating each other, but there are definitely some 
some tie-ins back and forth between yeah. them on how to actually be excellent. I mean, when all the experts agree, it's uh, probably good advice. For sure, for sure. And then it just proves that there's principles in sales. There's mm-hmm. principles in communication. Mm-hmm. You know, there's principles as to how we respond to different sorts of communication mm-hmm. as people, yeah. you know, and, and being sold. So love it. If you guys are interested in more book recommendations, we'll have them down there in the show notes because these are only four, but there's a ton of them. There's so many great books on sales. Yeah, and if you have a book that you'd like to recommend, hit us in the comments, let us know. Um, we may have read it, we may have not. I'd love to love to, to stock up on more uh, great reading material like that. So Yeah, yeah, please bring some our way. We will read them and maybe review them. Yes. Who knows? But uh, moving on. So what other, other than just being a, a, you know, starting a book club, how else can we get better at, <laughs> at polishing up our sales skills? Man, I, I like the actual art of um, script practicing and stuff like that. Like mm-hmm. there's nothing better than practicing with people who are going to push you and, and bring things to your, your um, awareness that maybe you were not aware of that you can improve on, yeah. right? And versus practicing on actual people that you would like to do business with, right? Now you're practicing with other people who are trying to level up and grow. We had a practice session the other day where it was actually really cool. We, we discovered that one of the, the dialogues we were using really wasn't as effective as, as we thought it was with the wording. Mm-hmm. So we mastermind on it, all seven of us mastermind on this stuff and brought in chat GPT and we came up with something really cool. Nice. Really effective. Like everybody was like, yes, that is it. Right. Mm -hmm. And so without that group of people um, to brainstorm with and to bounce ideas off and to hear tonalities and where the pause is in that Mm -hmm. particular sentence without that group, like we would not know that. So um, definitely with the books, but also practicing with other people, other human beings. 100%. Practicing on your clients is a recipe for disaster. Big time. Uh, You need to practice, you know, script practice with people, like the mastermind aspect of that um, is unbelievable. Yeah. You know, just knowing that, you know, when people think about the masterminds, I don't think they realize the value in them. And when you get a collaborative group together that is all trying to get better at the same pace and for the same purpose, it is so powerful. It is such a cool environment to be in and to learn from. But to be a part of that, you really need to check your ego. And we're not going to go too far into that. If you're curious about how ego might kill your business, check out episode two. Um, (laughs) But man, could you imagine being someone there that couldn't take some constructive criticism or how quickly that would unravel that mastermind? Yeah. Yeah. And you could see it. I mean, sometimes folks get a little bit uh, sensitive and it's all, it's in the way it's delivered too. Mm -hmm. You know, if, if you're in those groups, definitely don't deliver um, your constructive feedback with judgment. You know, it's got to be delivered in, in a healthy way, but yeah, dude, it's, what we typically see is the people who don't like that sort of um, feedback, those are the ones not on the calls. Yeah, yeah, I like it. So yeah, if you guys want to grow, get on the calls. If the ego is an issue, put it aside or, or you're not going to grow here, you know, in mm-hmm. this industry with anybody, but be open to learning. You know, I learned still. I just learned. I mean, I've been in the business for seven years now, mm-hmm. made thousands and thousands of phone calls my my sales skills on the phone are, are pretty good i just learned something the other day mm-hmm. you'll never stop learning you know to expand on that just slightly too is script practice is 
100% essential, especially with a group. That's your priority. But practice on your own too. Uh-huh. Like if it's your first time running a script, read it out loud 10 times, 15 times, 20 times. Um, but you should be able to say the script without looking at it. And we've seen this in our script practice. When you read the script, it comes off completely differently than when you just say the script. Now, when you say the script out loud, you may butcher a few of the words. You may get some of the or- them out of order. But the, the way, the energy you present when you say it is so much different than when you just read it. Absolutely. So practice, practice, practice. Even record yourself. You know, if you're shy on video, this is a great chance to practice recording. Record yourself. Watch it back. Get better. But the only way to do that is through practice. Absolutely. And I was going to um, add that, you know, recording on video or even just audio. Mm-hmm. Record, listen. We record all of our calls through our CRM, you know, so we mm-hmm. can go back and listen to those calls. Are they cringy? Heck yeah. <laughs> but that's how you grow. Yep. Right? Definitely do that. Another piece of advice that I got this past week was put a mirror up, like in front of you, mm-hmm. and smile. Right. Smile. Look at the mirror as you're making your phone calls and smile at yourself like that comes across too. you know, in Mm -hmm. your tonalities. There's so much to unpack with with tonality and voice inflictions and the pauses and the right words to say so much to unpack with all of that. But putting a mirror up, um, I haven't done it. I'm going to do it. But putting a mirror up and smiling into it is supposed to have a really good effect on your on your uh, your tonality. Awesome. Yeah, Yeah, I I agree. I agree. So. So we have uh, books and we have script practice. What's our what's our last way to actually get better at sales? To do it. Get and out t- there and do it. Get out there and do it. Don't be scared. You guys, you're going to win some. You're going to lose some. You're going to learn from the wins. You're going to learn from the losses. But if you don't ever actually implement what you're learning, you'll never know if it works or not. Mm-hmm. Right. So go out there. Um, don't practice on your clients, but definitely implement the skills that you are practicing when the time is appropriate. Yeah. I, I, but, you know, taking action is scary. So is. maybe it I is. shouldn't. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, you know, inaction is, is even scarier, right? Oh. You look at that bank account and inaction brings it to zero. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. yeah. I we, we say it all the time, but, man, I just don't think you can say it enough. Like, choose your hard. Like, yeah. I was thinking about this just the other day, like, like, even being in real estate, doing 40 transactions a year, there are days I want to quit. I'm just like, you know, this is hard. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. you look at the alternative and you're like, oh man, yeah, but being broke or going back to work nine to five for someone else and having no, having no control over my schedule, it's like, that's so much harder. Absolutely. And I'm going to kind of leave it with something that I told the group the other day on our script practice. And, and this is a mindset thing. So you got into real estate and your job or your goal with real estate was to help people. Most of the agents that I talk to, that's their goal. Mm-hmm. Hey, I'm here to help people. Cool. So you're here to help people and you're learning new skills and you're, you're becoming better and better at what you do. You now have an obligation to go out there and help people because if you don't, then the people that are self-serving, the people that are not in it to help people, but are only in it for their pocketbook. If you don't go find people to help, they're going to get found by these other folks. Mm -hmm. Right. And so now you decided that you weren't going to take action. You weren't going to implement skills. And now these folks are getting shorted because you didn't get out there and talk to them. So 
actually implementing these skills is not just something that you should do, but it is your duty. It is your duty as a real estate agent to go out there and connect with as many people as you possibly can so that you can provide them that excellent service that you plan to provide them and that you have the skill set to provide, thus saving them from working with the mediocre people who are only in it for the money. Something, when you said the word obligation, man, that strikes a nerve. Yeah. I love it because yeah. I, I 100% agree with you. Like, if you don't want a crappy agent to take, to, you know, to, to get a deal because they're going to not do a good job, they're going to misrepresent people, they're, they're, they're giving us all a bad name, you have an obligation to yeah. get better at this and convert more people. And just think of it like a surgeon, man. Let's say there's a heart surgeon mm. out there. There's the absolute most talented heart surgeon that ever existed on the planet, but yet that heart surgeon won't go do surgeries. Yeah. What a disservice, mm-hmm. right? What a disservice of to the, to the world and a waste of talent and gifts by not actually putting that stuff to work. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. All right, guys. Well, that's a wrap on episode five. Send us your book recommendations. Let us know what other content that you would like to hear. Don't forget to subscribe to our Spotify, iTunes, and our YouTube channel. And if you guys are interested in practicing your sales skills through script practice and dialogue practice, reach out and we will get you the link to our sales skills mastery Script practice every morning at 0730 Central Time. We are looking at adding an afternoon option if that is too early for you. But if you're interested, reach out and we'll get you hooked up. Yeah, reach out using the email address in the show notes, how to real estate podcast at gmail.com. Absolutely. All right, Kyle. Thank you, sir. And goodbye. Goodbye.